Welcome to your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. A ton of questions from you. Also, we'll look at Alabama, Tennessee, South Carolina as we previewed all the reviewed, I should say, all the games on Monday and Tuesday. We will preview uh, all the SEC games on Thursday and Friday, but this is a chance for us to kick around on a Wednesday. Just some of the big picture items that are out there. With Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com, I'm Dave Hooker. Uh, I want to remind you that support of your Locked On SEC Football podcast comes from Manscaped, number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. You may have seen them on Shark Tank. Manscaping offers precision-engineered tools for you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code LOCKEDON at Manscaped.com. 20% off Manscaped.com with the promo code LOCKEDON. I want to start at Alabama. We talked about... Their win over Duke, a little sluggish in the beginning, but they end up winning uh, convincingly. But in particular, I want to talk about the uh, freshman linebackers that had to step in because of injuries. As you graded them, what did you think of them, uh, Chris? Did you did you think they played well? Did you think they had limitations? What were your thoughts? Well, I thought they did a really nice job. Um you know, uh, as the game went along, I thought that they, um, you know, they really, uh, they didn't run a whole lot of stunts or games. They looked like they, they simplified things a little bit, but they were very, very solid. I think the big thing is they've got time here. And we talked about it last week when the injury took place and it was certainly a devastating, you know, loss of Dylan Moses, but to play these young guys right now in opportunities like games against Duke this week, um, going to have South Carolina coming up in, in, a, in a week. They're going to get a lot of experience and look, it's not going to be, Hey, it's going to be just as good as it was if Moses was in there. Um, but you know, they're, they're, they're going to get exposed to different situations and get a little bit better and a little bit better and then allow them to run, you know, a little bit more and a little bit more of their defense on a week-to-week basis. But I thought they did really good. It certainly um, uh, was not a, a an experience, you know, good offense that they were facing uh, as Duke is very young and actually I think the quarterback – played pretty well in a couple of games last year when Daniel Jones was not there. So it wasn't like they played an inept offense, but it Duke's Duke's going to take a little while for that offense to get going. But I think that they did a really solid job. Uh, I mean, they were not in out of position a whole lot. Um, they did a really good job of, of, um, you, you know, filling, uh, the right gaps in the run game. I thought they did a nice job, you know, in coverage, being getting to their landmarks and covering the curl in the flat area. So I thought it was a really solid job. But, you know, I, I, I don't think we're going to have the, the definitive answer of, listen, how much will this hurt them is going to really be defined in the bigger games, in the bigger moments of the season where the opponent can really maybe take advantage of it. If they can at all, it's it's going to come in those type of games. And I just don't uh, I don't see that as something that uh, that's that's going to be a real big factor now. So I 
I, I was really impressed with the job that they did. Uh, and, uh, you know, not really surprised at all. And obviously not going to be a factor this week in who they're playing. But uh, I think going forward, uh, I think they'll be fine. It's just a matter of, you know, when you lose a McMillan, you lose a Moses. Now you've got to really adjust um, against the better type of uh, opponents that can do uh, a variety of things on offense, maybe get them out of position, uh, really hurt them with misdirections. I think it'll be a little while before they can they, they'll face that type of team that uh, that can exploit that. And uh, cornerback Patrick Sertain uh, Jr. Uh, As a a reminder that we're getting old, um, he got uh, SEC uh, Player of the Week. Uh, Your thoughts on uh, that sophomore who just seems to have superstardom written all over him? Oh, he he really had a a good game. I mean, I I thought he did an outstanding job. Uh, Patrick, you know, the secondary is really, really good. And it's got the type of experience that um, I I think it's going to – going to be consistent throughout the year. Um, he, he really did a good job of staying on top of routes. Uh, he did a good job of breaking on the ball and he did a good job of filling underneath. So it was a uh, really impressive performance by the, by the secondary. And I thought he, I thought he uh, played extremely well um, along with the other guys in the secondary, but I, I thought he was uh, the best of the group in terms of grading out this week. Yep, no no real surprise there that Alabama has a very good secondary. Coming up, uh, we will talk about leadership, uh, places like Tennessee and South Carolina after a disappointing week one for, for very different reasons. Also, we will uh, get to some Texas A&M talk. They're a little bit cocky heading into this game versus Clemson quarterback play. In the SEC as well, had a question from uh, Rock Wiss on Twitter, so we will uh, get to that as well. Stay tuned. You're locked on SEC football podcast. He's Chris Landry. I'm Dave Fooker. You are locked on SEC football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. You're locked on SEC football podcast with Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. Let's talk about it, Chris. Um, Jeremy Pruitt did take all the blame after a historically bad loss against Georgia State. Uh, He said that it's on me. He did refer to some of the misalignment, and I'm sure you probably saw this. I didn't immediately, but there were uh, Twitter snapshots of, of times when guys weren't just misaligned. They had one defender on the line of scrimmage at the snap. Um... So it was worse than just misalignment. Um, and I thought Jeremy Pruitt took it on himself. Um, but I think at some point that uh, I, people want to see the the fire and brimstone speech. They want to see him uh, angry. And it just, just makes me wonder, and I don't want to read too much into a press conference, but it makes me wonder who in that type of situation is, is responsible for stepping up and being a leader and getting things turned around because if they don't do it pretty quickly, um, things could go south. Well, first of all, listen, um, certainly uh, understand that that fans, um, they're angry, they're frustrated. They want their coach to just, you know, come out and 
start, you know, maybe throwing stuff and pounding the, 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 the podium at a press conference that, that doesn't do anything. Okay. That that's false, you know, uh, playing for the cameras that, that means nothing. And the way you handle a team like this, if you go through something like this is you've got to build your team up. Okay. So the worst thing you can do when you have a, a loss like that, that team is not only down, but they're doubting themselves. They're doubting how good they are. They're doubting what they're doing. They're hearing all the negativity uh, more now in the modern era than ever before. So the, the worst thing you can do is go into a situation like that and just start and just pounding them and just, you know, ripping them that they, they already know that. And so you're just going to, you're just going to put them in a shell and there is going to be a, a natural resistance of fear of making a mistake. What you've got to do in this case is build a team up, build their confidence and talk about the things that look that, that we worked on that we didn't do and, and why we didn't do it. What didn't you understand? What communication wasn't proper for you to get did were your and I w- went through this yesterday did, in, in, in Monday it w- were uh, are you, are you your legs dead I mean did, did we overwork them physically did we give them too much mentally I mean there there are things that you have to go over um, as a teacher as a coach to the player to figure that out it, it is uh, natural and part of today's society uh, this is ridiculous we don't deserve this it's fan yada 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 they, they, you know the, the this has sucked you know and you know it's uh, you know it's ever since you know i mean it just go on and on okay so all the sins of the past is on the kids saturday that that didn't play well it, that that can't happen on the inside okay that's what people talk about on the outside if you if you take the onus from your fans and placate the media, then, then it's going to get worse and worse because you're, you're going to play into that negativity, which you have to do is again, as a coach build from within and correct the things that you've done. And, and not, I, I can just tell you that, you know, not coaching the team myself, I don't know exactly what they have done or not done, but that's, part of the checks and balances as a coach that you have to do to go and correct it, whether it's a win or a loss. And and I'm telling you that when you win and things are going good is the time to be hard on your team. It's the time to kind of tear them down a little bit because they think they've got all the answers and they're not doing some things that are right, but they're getting away with it in a game like this. It is the opposite. Okay, look, look what you did here. This is perfect. This is exactly what you need to do. Why did you not do this in the next play, in the next series? What What is it? You, you've got to uncover a lot of that. And you have to really almost strip it down into with your coaching staff. What are we teaching them? You know, you, you got to sit there and – and the staff 
in your staff meeting individually, you got to know your staff. You got to know how to deal with your guys. Same thing with them as you're doing with your players. You got to pull in your D-line coach, your linebacker. What, what, what didn't we get across to them? And you have to basically not start over and, and just start over from scratch. Just, just get a fundamental understanding of, look, the, 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 the game plan that we had, it wasn't a game plan issue. It was more of an assignment and a technique issue and an effort issue to some degree, which stood out to me and became more apparent to me the more and more I studied film. Watch a bunch of games at one time, like I do. You notice things, but you don't notice everything in each of the games. Make a little notes, then you go back and watch it individually, and then, uh, oh man, okay, wow. Okay. Uh, let, me, let me, yeah. Let me ask you. Let me ask you that if I if I can stop you for just a second. Yeah, absolutely. How how, how do you fix effort? I mean, I you 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 come out. In game one, you got a chance to beat up on a lowly opponent. You got a chance to go to a bowl game. You got a chance to help be a part of rebuilding a once proud program. How is effort an issue? I mean, I, I don't, I don't know how you fix that, and I don't understand how it's an issue, Chris. Well, how you fix it? If it's an effort problem, then they're not playing, and somebody else is playing. That, that's how you fix it. If it's an effort problem. Um, and it's not, let me say this when, when, when I'm talking effort, I, I absolutely can point it out. It's, it's, it's a podcast and, you know, when go through play by play, you know, I can, I can point to where it's an issue here and there. It's not an, at least on tape, not an overlying program problem. I think right now is you okay. get just a lot of negativity that says, oh, the whole team quit on them and this and that. I don't know that to be the case. I know that is the word coming up. We got ex-Vol players, you know, a couple of them texting me, oh, they don't want to play for them and all that. I don't know if that's true, okay? I think that's just, again, part of the negativity of, you know, everybody piling on. Now, now look. Maybe that is the case. I, I'm not in that building every day, but you know what? Neither are they, you know, and I think a lot of it is just the piling on. Uh, and, and we've seen that too. We've seen a history of negativity and, and I don't want to take this in the wrong direction, but we've seen a lot of negative negativity in a woe is me. And you're right there. Re let's remind folks for people who don't know. Dave is right there in the heart of the Tennessee fan base. And he knows that this fan base has been beaten to a pulp for a while. From Lane Kiffin, you know, quitting on them in their eyes and going back home and bad coaching hires. Um, Butch Jones and Butch did, didn't do him any favors with some of the the weird things he said you know and, and you know champions of life and four-star hearts and all that but you know not everything he did was bad either I mean he what won nine games a couple of years ago whatever and you know it, it, it never lost a game this bad so now it's you know it's like 
there is a cycle of negativity that 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 it that, that you know something bad happens that it it just let's dig up all the old things of the past because we're so frustrated and I get it it's understandable but when you want to cut down to it because that's what you have to do as a scout and as a coach and you have to look at it it doesn't matter what color jerseys they are where they're from it's a player it's a coach it's a situation it's understanding what's being done what's not being done and I think to answer your question how do you fix effort well effort sometimes is a byproduct of are they overworked with a with being really thin or their legs dead possibility two are they being asked to do too much meaning are they're a little bit confused with what they're being asked to do or, or is too much in for some of the young guys so when you're hesitant, you're, you don't, you don't react. You, you maybe think a little bit. And when you're thinking you're not going full speed because you're thinking about where to go. And that sometimes can come across as lack of effort. And then it, and it could be, you just got some guys that are not buying in and I can't answer, you know, every case what it is. But you have to determine situation by situation, play by play, player by player. What is it? What one of those three things is it? And get that corrected. And if it is, you got somebody that's, you know, a bad egg and not playing. Well, then they're not playing. And if it's egregious enough and they're not, they're not, they're going to be suspended. They're not going to. I mean, they're. they're it, it could go that far if it's that bad. I don't know. I don't have any evidence other than, again, hysteria that that that's truly the case. And I think you've got to get their legs back if they're not there, if that's a part of the problem. Assignment-wise, simplify because they're young. And remember, because they're young and because they're thin, they're probably getting a lot of reps to get ready. And in that process, that that may be a, a a big part of it, of you know where they're they're a little bit tired. I don't know that. I'm not saying that it is. I'm saying those historically, it, through my experiences, or what happens. I've seen guys at times in my career to where you had guys that you know it wasn't an effort or heart problem, but they were moving slow and they were slow reacting, and it uh, I, you know I'm I'm concerned mainly from an effort standpoint and boy, I wish I could, I mean, I could wish I could, I, I'm pulling the tape up in my mind. Now when there's a ball, when, when there's a ball carrier to the boundary and there are three guys that are jogging towards the sideline at the guy, like I can't get him, He'll get them type. That is most alarming. And then you, you wonder again, that has to be called out. That's in the film room. What's this? And I, I'm not going to throw any names out, but number so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so, you know, point them out. You know, Dave, what is this? This is – this. you you bring that out, and that's where you point out effort. And you, as a group, as a team, you put them in that meeting, and you put the film on, and you say, what is this? 
Okay, is this what you is this what you're doing for your teammates? Is this is this how you are committed to doing what's right? This is what you want on tape for you. This is your resume. Is is, is are you proud of this? I, I, you have to you have to address all of those things. And I do think you also have to call in guys on your team that you feel are you know, the term is your leaders, you, the guys that you feel or your core guys that have influence in the locker room that, you know, and, and by position overall on different sides of the ball, sometimes, you know, if they don't have it already, you normally have a little bit of a players committee where, you know, the players themselves, if they've got problems on what they're being taught, how they're being taught, that the players will get together in the comfort of themselves, and then they can go as that committee to the head coach and say, you know, this is what we're having trouble with. This is what we, we're not understanding. This is what we're, we're, we're struggling with, and get those things, you know, out in the open so that you can correct it. So though it is, it is a, a deep dive into, look, we've got to have a heart-to-heart, and we've got to figure it out. But – it is not the time to sit there and, again, do what the fans are doing because the fans are doing what they should do. They should react uh, with, you know, they should be appalled. They should be embarrassed that they, that there again, Tennessee football is in the spotlight nationally and it's not for a good reason. So they, they need – they're embarrassed. But, but, you know, now what Jeremy has to do, he can't – worry about their frustrations about previous coaches and what's happened in the past. He's got to be responsible for fixing what he's put together and from stem to stem, everything, the training room, the weight room, coaches, you know, uh, room, everything he's got to be responsible for, um, in a reevaluate everything. And, and it's, 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 it's maybe, uh, you know, a little bit um, overdoing it sometimes, but getting back to fundamentals and getting the basic things corrected uh, is the most important thing. And and if you have to not abandon, but if you need to prioritize that a tad more than, you know, who you're playing this week, BYU, but, but really work a little bit more on you, you got to. But there again, lie some problems because there's a lot of things you got to fix. You know, it's kind of like you got something that you got to do this week, but then something comes up, you know, the, the tires blow out on the car, you know, uh, you, you got to bring the car in the shop. And now, now all of a sudden that becomes a priority and the two or three things that were a priority become a little bit of a backseat. Well, this, this is what happens exactly. How do you attack BYU is is a is a priority, but a bigger priority is attacking you and fixing you because if you can't fix that, you know, then you can't get the assignments and the technique and everything prepared for this week against this week opponents. That that is kind of stepping. That's putting the the horse before the cart, you know, um, uh, or the cart before the horse. I guess I'm trying to say. So you got to you got to make sure that you handle things correctly. Uh, to get things back on track. And and listen, I would say this. If there is 
a similar performance against BYU this week, I would be very surprised. I would think we're going to see a lot of that corrected. If there is a similar performance and result, then I think that would be a sign. Again, on the outside looking in, it would be a sign that there's even bigger problems. And there's there's that means that they're not responding to what's being taught, what's being focused on to correct the problem. Yeah. Uh, if, if it happens again on Saturday, you've got to wonder if this season's lost. And then you've got to seriously wonder about Jeremy Pruitt's future now as opposed to it, giving a guy four years. I don't, I don't want to be that guy in the media, but you, you can't have two of those uh, in a row to begin the season. Coming up, quarterback talk with Chris Landry. And uh, the Aggies are feeling pretty confident. You're locked on SEC Football Podcast. He's Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. You are locked on SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. You're locked on SEC football podcast. We talked about the problems at Tennessee. How about at South Carolina? A heartbreaking win, different from what Tennessee went through, but to North Carolina, who they'll be recruiting against, who they should be better than if you look at their roster, 1-85, to and just faltered late and lost that game. Uh, thoughts on where South Carolina is, and as Will Muschamp need a fight to Make sure that team gets back on the right track because their schedule's brutal. I think it may be a more dire situation than even at Tennessee. Um, now, that is always subject to change. Um, South Carolina and Will Muschamp is deeper into his um, you know, process, his program. Now, don't get me wrong. Losing to North Carolina is, is not the same as losing to Georgia State. So that's different, and that's certainly worse on Tennessee's part. But in this standpoint, and, and there's no reason to really compare the, the dire situation, so it's probably bad on me to do that. But for South Carolina, there is a pattern of, with Will, good recruiter. And this kind of goes to a question that we got in, because um, I, on one of my platforms, was talking about as 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 it relates to Jeremy Pruitt, Willie Taggart, um, the characteristics I look for in a coach, and I mentioned Will Muschamp and some of the things. And Rock West asks, "What are the characteristics in the coach that Chris looks for that Muschamp lacks?" So I get to that in a second. But what we've seen is a pattern of Will, where he is a highly emotional guy. His teams reflect that. Um, and there's nothing wrong with it. You can be emotional. But a lot of what Will is is a little bit, you know, out of control sometimes. And it ref- it's reflected in his team. So what you see is a lot of inconsistent uh, performances. Uh, really, really good. Really, really bad. Watch and see if they don't surprise somebody this year and win a game that you think, oh, well, I sure didn't see that. But – the pattern of, okay, controlling the game against North Carolina up 20 to nine, and then basically a lot of mental errors allowing a team back in. 
That is a pattern. That just didn't happen against North Carolina. That's happened over and over again. You've heard me kind of defend overall Will and South Carolina for the people that think, well, when is South Carolina going to, you know, going to start winning the SEC East? Well, no, that's not going to happen unless, you know, Georgia comes back to the fact. I mean, they're, they're not that, you know, that's not what they are. But what they should be and could be is a little bit more consistent. Will recruits well. And in, in, that roster is pretty good for the most part. They do not have elites, elite backs. They got Tavius Feaster comes in and, and he's the guy. They just, they, for whatever reason at this stage, and it takes time for this, say, as opposed to Jeremy, you know, and putting the foundation when you're, when you're in the fourth year and you're in the fifth year, you, you've got, there's no reason for not to have established your identity as a program. And why in this type of team are you not a really good run team, run blocking team, defending the run? They can't do any of those things worth a hoot. They couldn't do them last year, and they haven't gotten better. They have not gotten better, and they're woefully inconsistent. And that is that's where you run into trouble, and the team reflects that. And that's that's why they're a little bit up and down, roller coaster. And and so, you know, what are the qualities, um, Rock, that that will, in my opinion, lack when I evaluated him? His overall vision is usually there. Most of these guys have the vision if they want to be. And I'll I'll say the same thing, um, and I'll tie them in together. Some of the things I saw with Jeremy. They have a vision of what the program should look like. They've been around a, a great program and a great coach in Nick Saban. This is where people get a little bit confused. Well, he was there. He saw. He worked for Belichick. He worked for Saban. He worked for Andy Reid. He worked for Urban Meyer. What? You see it. You know what it looks like. And you perform your role, and you hear and adhere to what those guys say, but if you're not that guy, and very few of them are, but if you don't have what we call a vision that can kind of gradually morphed and adjusted based upon the style of games, how it changes, football is an evolving game. If you're not on top of how to fix this and that, when you are working for someone that has the great, you know, ability to fix those things and put everybody in the right position. You know, it's fine when you go in and set it up, but when you've got to adjust things and make some decisions, you can't, you don't then have anybody to go to. You are the guy now. And so your ability to kind of adjust and change your offense, your defense to tweak it a little bit, the best coaches, the styles I look for, are the guys that are the thinkers, the guys that that can think out of the box, the guys that understand how to put together a staff. Not just, well, I work with this guy, I'm comfortable with him, but guys that maybe can challenge a little bit on the staff, that can come up with ideas, that are good to work with. Um, you've got to be able to delegate, and you've got to be able to think and have a good overall vision then you got to have the path 
to get you to from point A to point B. See, a lot of guys want to go to point B, but they don't know how to get there from A to B. And so one of the things with Will that that I thought was a little bit of an issue is that overall he doesn't have the vision of how to do things. He also doesn't have the resources that they have, say, at Georgia. So that combination doesn't work really well. And so there, there has to be a different way to do it. So if you're at South Carolina and you don't have the resources that you have quite at Alabama or Georgia, you have to be creative and you have to come up with a different way to do it or maybe how to stretch the budget a little bit, so to speak, so that you can do things, maybe not as well as they do it, but along the same lines, be as creative and conquer all the different challenges that you have. And and, and that's not really Will. Will is a bull in a china shop that is going to go from one end of the room to the other end of the room, and he's going to run over all the china and all the fine, you know, everything. <laughs> and it, it's going to be, a, is it going to be a, you know, that's, that's Will. You know, you got to have guys that get can know how to lo, lo, find the little alleys and work their way through and have really good vision. Um, that's also, different personalities. Jeremy's, you know, Will is kind of affectionately known as Coach Boom. You know, you know, talk. Jeremy's little, you know, slow-talking, good old Southern boy, but he's kind of the same thing from, you know, a headstrong standpoint. He's kind of the same thing. He knows how he knows it. He's been more influenced by his dad and coaching in high school ball than anything, and there's a certain way to do it, which is good. But there are things from an overall vision standpoint that I don't think he gets because he was a really good position coach and coordinator and a loyal soldier that kind of fit in line to whatever you know Nick wanted to do and, and, and was certainly observant on how Nick did it and, again, knows what it looks like, but how to do it within the prism of how they need to do things, that that is not as easy for him. Okay, that's not, hey, this guy's not bright. He is, but it, it's they, they don't do things the same way at Tennessee as they do it at Georgia administratively. They, they, this is not a good administrative setup, and it hadn't been for a long time. And, yes, Phil Fulmer has done a nice job of kind of bringing people together well, you know, partly because behind the scenes, he was kind of pulling people apart. So now, you know, the people together are people that are with him and that's fine, but they, there's not, this is not a, what I would call great leadership or great vision to try to, you know, take Tennessee to look more like a Georgia, you know, in terms of infrastructure, support staff. And then, you know, I think Jeremy understands we got to have more people, but but clearly defining your roles. See, it's one thing to have all those analysts like they have at Alabama and a lot of help. But Nick, just like Bill Belichick, guy that I work for, is he will clearly define your role. So analyst number 16 is going to, this is his role. This what he's responsible for. And if he doesn't do it right, it needs to be understood that if you don't do this right, Dave, this is how it's going to affect us negatively going up and going down. 
And so clearly defining those roles is something that a big picture, big vision guy has to see. And and some guys like a Jeremy is in and, and Will are not as good at that. And when you don't have that, you're trying to do a little bit too much. As a head coach, you've got to clearly define roles and you gotta let guys do it. And then you've got to make your decisions accordingly that are gonna ultimately lead to little steps upon the rung that you get better and better and better as a program. It takes a little time for guys like that to learn it and understand it. And some guys never do it all that well. And I think in the case of Wilt, he's had times, two head coaching opportunities, and he hadn't quite gotten a whole lot better at it, quite frankly. With Jeremy, he doesn't had he hadn't had much time. If you were to ask me, would it look more like Will Muschamp when he's done or Kirby Smart? Will Muschamp. Because I, 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 because of the skill sets, it does not mean I'm writing his off, writing him off. I think unless Jeremy figures out what he doesn't know, and corrects some of those things that Will hadn't figured out, then then Jeremy's maybe going to 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 that path. And I also think this is where a good leader and a good administrator. And I know people think that Phil Fulmer is an asset in doing that. I disagree because he's a former football coach. He had his certain way that he did it, and he thinks that, you know, the way he did it was great and all that. That that he doesn't have, you know, the the best type of leader would be to support him not just publicly, but to help him do all the things that you know. Look, when when we were at Alabama, we did this, this, and that. Uh, how to get things to look uh, uh, more of a comfort level to where he can get certain things done that he's not getting done properly now is the best way to support a guy like that. And I don't, I don't think they have that. So it's not a great situation to begin with. And you're dealing with somebody that is not all that skilled ideally with handling those things. And he's having to learn on the fly. And then you're having to deal with situations like this, which is a a catastrophe from a football standpoint to have to deal with. It's quite challenging and it, it, it can be quite daunting. And, and, and when you're inexperienced there, this is why when people say, well, it's a crapshoot when you hire a coach. Well, no, it's not. When you study the traits of the coach, you can better identify which ones can handle these situations better than others. And the ones that can't, it's not that they can't learn it, can't get better, but in today's world, you don't have a lot of time to kind of correct things and fix things on the fly and still manage to keep a major job like in a big-time SEC. Fair point. I want to ask you this um, a couple of times throughout the season. Um, I think we would agree that Tua Tungavaola and um, Jake Fromm are the two best quarterbacks. Um, Stop me if, if you would disagree with that in the SEC. So as of week one and what you saw, who's third? Uh, um, it appears to be Kellen Mond or Joe Burrow. You have to take one of those guys to win a game on Saturday. As we wrap up, Chris, who would it be? Well, I think that um, it's really close. I don't know that who I would take, to be honest with you. It it would be those two. I think, you know, today, if you're taking a guy, you've you got to take a guy within the system, and you got to take him who's coaching him. Um, and, and, you know, I think Mon with Jimbo is a really good fit. Um, and so there, there's a, there's a, 
a larger sample size, not with Mond, but with Jimbo and what he does with his quarterbacks. You don't have, you got one game against Georgia Southern with Joe Burrow. Um, I don't think we have enough of a sample size of, of what we have enough sample size for me to evaluate Joe Burrow. But in this offense, you know, I want to see more, want to see more against Texas. Um, it is really clear. Honestly, as, as I've got it graded, that they're really, they're not the exactly the same type of player, but they've got, and they're, they're in that same grade plateau. So I think it's really close. And I would say to be determined, um, if you, again, so if you say, well, take one right now, or you got to take one. Well, and what, what system am I running? Who am I running? Who's coaching them? Um, you know, if you just ask me, okay, I'm coaching them. I'm taking them. I'm starting over from scratch. Um, from what I know, I, I probably take Joe Burrow. I think he's got a little better passing skills, but um, I, I think they're really close. I, I, I could I could go the either the other way, and I think the production of the season, which is really what you're getting at, um, I think we're going to see that evolve and develop, and, and maybe there'll be some clarity and separation between the two. But right now, I think they're very very close. Give us reviews. Give us your questions via Twitter at the Dave Hooker or at LandryFootball.com. Be sure and listen to our Locked on Big Ten football podcast as well. Have a fantastic day, everyone. We will talk to you on Thursday. We'll start to preview games from the upcoming weekend. And Texas A&M feeling a little confident as they head into a game against Clemson. Uh, some guys calling some shots. We'll get to that and get... Chris's thoughts on a little bit of trash talking, a little bit of predictions uh, on Thursday. So don't miss us. He's Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. Have a fantastic day, everyone.